Praise the Lord. I was thinking of the scripture from Romans 12 and 1. Listen to that. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord. Don't be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you say you met Jesus and your behavior hasn't changed, you're deceived. If you say you've met Jesus and your life has not changed for the better, you haven't met Jesus. Amen. Because he brings change. He don't leave you in sin. He brings you out of sin. Um, The church is so messed up today when it comes to sin. You've got people that have all kind of beliefs about sin. Some people believe that just got it, going to live with it, deal with it, going to do it. Others think, you know, just so many different belief systems. And they're messed up because the pulpit is messed up, the preaching ain't right, and there's not true doctrine to get people on the right path. Sin is the reason Jesus died, not to leave us in it, to bring us out of it. Amen. And when I hear these people say, judge not, I know right away. People, most of the people that say that, they're not reading the Bible. They don't care what the Bible says. They don't, they, they just don't want you saying anything about anything they might be doing. You're judging. No, we're not, you're not judging for speaking the truth. I guess Jesus was judging then, huh? He spoke the truth. The, the apostles spoke the truth. They were they judging? No, they were giving the word of God. That's what we're here to do. Give the people the word of God. It will judge you. <laughs> And if you ain't right, it'll touch you. It'll convict you. It'll, if you're sitting there and you ain't where you're supposed to be with the Lord, I tell you, the Word of God will get under your skin. The Spirit of God will get under your skin. He will convict you. So that, because God's will is to get us on track. Amen. To get us in line, not out of line. He wants to bring us in line. And everybody on this side said, Amen. And everybody on this side said nothing. Good to see everybody tonight. Oh, yeah, she's on that side, way back in the back. <laughs> Good news for everybody on the left side tonight. You're going to be gathered in. <laughs> Just play it. Praise the Lord. We're going to have church anyway, amen. Good to see everybody that's made it tonight. I know we got people that's uh, not able to be here tonight for whatever reasons. Miss uh, Alta said her dad's not feeling well and had to stay home, so we need to pray for them. Others that may be sick tonight, whoever they are, wherever they are, uh, maybe you're not sick, maybe you're just discouraged, and you need the same you need the same help that the sick person needs. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. No matter what the issues are, we all need God's help. I'm afraid the church is letting things slip. Going to church, reading the Bible, praying, witnessing. Giving in the offerings, churches letting Christians are letting stuff slip. And look, in a time when we really ought to be digging in our heels and pressing in like never before, you see this lethargic attitude and people that just lackadaisical. And what's the big deal? I go to church on Sunday, and you pride yourself in that. Boy, you're really proud that you make it on Sunday. That tells me that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong. There's something wrong down in here. It's not that you have to. It's that you want to. So if you don't want to, maybe it's a problem in here. Maybe it's something you need to let God deal with. Let the Lord touch. Let him straighten it out. And you won't have no problem getting together with God's people. All the rest of the flunkies that flunk out from time to time, that do stuff wrong, and still put their pants on, still put their praise on, still put their shoes on, and they still come to church, and they say, devil, I ain't letting you stop me. Come on, I ain't letting you stop me, devil. Some of y'all letting the devil stop you. That's the problem. You're letting the devil do it, and you got to stop it. you got to put your foot down, put your shoes on, put your clothes on, say, I'm getting to church, devil, and I don't care what you say. I don't care what people think. I'm getting to the house of God, not because I have to, because I want to. Amen. Don't let the devil steal from you the things that God wants to give to you. We're going to take up the offering tonight. 
As Sister Karen's going to get ready to come and sing a praise and worship song, we're going to ask you to give tonight. As you're able to, you're watching through the internet. I pray that the Lord will bless you. Whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, God is able to bless you. I was listening to the radio this morning. They were talking about some of these things on the radio. The Christian disciplines given to the work of God, going to church. And more and more we're seeing Christians letting these things fall by the wayside. But the reason, again, is because there's something wrong in here. That's what's got to be fixed, and only Jesus can fix it. So don't let the devil stop you from giving to the work of the Lord and doing what the Lord has called you to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless the offering tonight. We ask you to bless the givers. We ask you to meet every need tonight of every individual in this place, every person through the Internet tonight, those that are watching, those who will watch by a later date. Lord, I pray for those that are sick, God, that you touch them that you speak to them, that you reach them right where they are, lay your hand upon them, God, and give them healing in their bodies. And, Lord, we pray that your spirit would continue to move throughout this church, throughout your people, throughout the nation, Lord, through the Internet, God, that you would continue to move in a mighty way and bless this service tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. In the rags of my sin, I was wretched and poor, lost and lonely within. But with wondrous compassion, the King of all kings, in pity and love, he took me under his wings. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I'm a child of the King, and His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. Now I'm a child with a heavenly home. You see, my holy father, he has made me his own. Now I'm cleansed by his blood and I'm clothed in his love. And someday I'll sing with the angels above. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I'm a child of the King, and His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. What are you tonight? What are you? A child of the King? I'm glad tonight I ain't no child of the devil anymore. I was listening to some of the program this morning coming back from Cleveland, a doctor's appointment. They were talking about salvation, and Brother Larson was telling some of his testimony. It was powerful. And as I listened to that, it just run all over me and made me think about my salvation. You know, and Brother Swagger, you know, mentioned to him, said, the only problem I got with is you, you is you don't tell it enough. And I thought, we have that problem from time to time at church. We, that's the problem we have. We can't get people to tell it enough. Powerful testimonies of what the Lord has done that can touch people, can affect people, but yet we don't tell it enough. Amen. Psalm says, I can't keep it to myself since I've been born again. Amen. You, you got, I mean, you're going to tell somebody every single day, but there's going to be a desire. There should be a desire to tell somebody. When, when, they, when somebody asks you, or they inquire, they 
you're curious, you know, what it is about this Jesus, this salvation, you got a perfect opportunity to tell them what he's done for you. That's, that they, that's how they open the door. I love it at times when people open that door and they ask me questions. And I know that many times I can sense that this is God's way of saying, okay, here it is. Give it to them. You don't have to force it. You don't have to push it. You don't have to make people. You, you, give, you, you give God the opportunity, and if the Lord puts somebody in front of you and you, you say, now, Lord, help me if you want me to speak to them. You give me the words, and you open the opportunity. I guarantee you he'll open it up. And, you'll, and when he does, you'll be like, wow. See, you don't have to push nobody. You have to beat nobody. You have to hit nobody, try to drag somebody. The Lord just opens the door. It's happened too many times, and I, I like to see it happen more and more. Tonight, we're going back to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Y'all liking this weather? I am. Kind of right in between. Not cold, not hot. Perfect. We just stay like this all the time. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, who in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let me read another verse or two. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to anoint your word tonight. We ask you to open your word. We ask you to make it real to us, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts tonight, speak to our spirit. And Lord, I pray, God, again for people tonight that may be watching wherever they are, that you would touch people, that you would speak to people, that you would enlighten them to the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to gain a greater understanding of your word. Lord, we know that it takes your spirit to enlighten us. It takes a supernatural move of your power and your spirit to show us the things that we need to see from your word. So I pray tonight, God, that you open your word to us and make it real Make it jump off the pages and into our hearts tonight that it would bring about the change that we need. Help us, Lord, to be cautious of what we listen to. Help us to follow the truth, to yield to it and surrender to it. And, Lord, we ask you to have your way again in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the Apostle Paul, the reason for writing this letter was to correct or actually yeah, to correct, but also to help this church that had been confused somewhat by some who had come into the midst of it with false doctrine and false teaching. And you know, that, that, that was, it seemed a lot of the books that Paul wrote, wrote Galatians and Corinthians, Colossians, uh, these books dealing with these, this major doctrine of the cross, it seems like everywhere he preached or he at least established some kind of work, it seemed like Satan always comes somehow, some way through different people with di different 
doctrines and different thoughts, different ways to try to pull God's people away from the truth. It seems like it's, I, I don't know what it must have been like to, be, to have been Paul. A battle he must have went through to have him build a church here, established a work here, saw people saved here, and see people, I mean, saved, and they're, they're guided in the right path. They're, they know Jesus. They've been born again. But, but here comes the devil somehow, some way, through somebody later on, and he starts coming in through people, and he starts telling people other stuff and starts causing the people to believe stuff that's not right, it's not from the Word of God, that you don't put the emphasis upon it. And then before you know it, you got people in the church, in the true church, that are confused. People that were raised up in a ministry, in a church where the truth was established, confused. Why? Because they opened the door to listen to things that they shouldn't listen to. I want to tell you something. How you believe will determine how you live. What you believe, not what you do, what you believe. What you, not your church attendance, not your giving, what you believe will determine whether or not, look, you stay on the straight and narrow and you stick to that which is right and true or you start deviating in a direction that is not right spiritually. The devil is smarter than a lot of Christians. He knows that if he can get them away from the truth, now he's, got, he's, he's thrown the bait out, he's, threw the, he's thrown the lure out, they're starting to bite off of it. Now he knows all he's got to do is just hold the pole and let them take off running with the bait. Deception is the greatest enemy of the church. Deception. What's that? Believing something that is not right. Believing something that is not true. Because again, it's going to affect how you live. You see, here's the difference between the truth and a lie. The truth will keep you free from sin. A lie will cause you to live in sin. I said the truth, the message of the cross, the truth of the gospel, when embraced and taught and walking it out, it'll keep you free from sin. But a lie will help push you in a direction that's not right. Then you'll start battling with sin and see, if you're not careful, then you start making excuses for your sin. No, you, you know, you, you may fall into that old, that old thinking, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. So I'm just going to sin a little bit every day. You know, you don't know what you could fall into. This way, this, this way here is the hard way. This is a battle. It's a battle to embrace the truth and keep it. It's a battle to stand in this pulpit week after week after week and tell you there's only one way you can be saved, one way you can be delivered, one way you can stay right with God. Sometimes it's a battle because you've got opposing forces of darkness working through every avenue they can trying to silence the mouths of those who believe the truth. But see, your doctrine has got to be built so deep down inside of you that nobody can move you. Your belief system has got to be so rock solid that nobody on your job can convince you otherwise. Your belief system, your doctrine has got to be so instilled in you by the Holy Spirit that no man, no devil, no church, no preacher, nobody on Facebook can move you from the truth. But you see, if you don't keep Jesus Christ at the center of your life, if you don't trust him every day, if you don't believe and trust in what he did at the cross to continue to free you from sin, you are vulnerable, especially new believers. 
Some of you younger converts, you need to listen real good. You're going to be tried. The devil is going to use people. He'll send people. He'll try to use people to try to lure you away from the truth because, again, he knows if he can get you away from the truth, then he's got an open door to get you caught up with some sin and then you start battling with that sin and then you start fighting with that sin and then you're not taking that sin to the cross but you're you're trying to deal with it yourself. So then when you do that, now you're in a battle. And see, now you're in something God didn't intend for you to be in. God didn't intend for his children to struggle with sin every single day. Do you get it? That ain't God's will. The devil wants to make people think, well, no, the preacher don't know what he's talking about. He just don't know how messed up we all are. And we're all going to do this and we're all going to do that. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law. You are under grace, praise God. He that the Son has made free is free indeed, praise God. I know what the Word says. Do you know what the Word says? You got to read it to know. You got to study it. You got to make it your life. And the Bible, the Bible, all all these things. Imagine what it what must have been like to have been Paul. Not knocking the others because it was hard on them too. Peter, the others, they gave their lives. But imagine that. You're called to be an apostle to receive a revelation from God himself as to the salvation of man and deliverance from sin totally by and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And everywhere you go, that's your only one message. You do not change it for anybody. And you see people saved. You see people get set free. You see people get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when you're done in an area, imagine this, you leave for a time and then you find out later on that area that you were in preaching is troubled and people have gone astray. People have started believing something that's not right. Let me tell you something. I ain't responsible for your salvation. You are. And you ain't responsible for mine. Only thing I'm responsible for is to give you the truth. What you do with it is on you, brother. So when you fail, if you mess up, don't blame me. Look in the mirror. Look, if it ain't working for you, look, it ain't the word. It's you that ain't working. It's you. It's something in us that ain't functioning the way we're supposed to function. And this is blame game stuff. People need to stop this mess because when you fail, it's your fault and yours alone. It ain't nobody else's. When I fail, it ain't nobody's fault. It's my fault. And for me to, if, if, if I understand that and I take responsibility for it and I ask God to forgive me and to help me and to deliver me and I get through it, then I don't have any problem with running around trying to blame somebody. The blame game has been going on for thousands of years. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the devil, and everybody's been blaming each other ever since. The Bible says every man's going to be responsible and held accountable for his own sins. Nobody will be judged for the sins of another man. Every human being will be judged for their own sins. If the church would embrace that, live that, believe that, it'd be a whole lot healthier. But imagine that you're Paul and you go to these areas and you preach, you establish churches, and here comes Satan. Now, Paul didn't establish this church here in Colossae, but he had a say-so in it. He had a say in what was taking place because the young man who did establish it, it is believed that this man was a product of Paul's preaching. It's a belief that he was somewhere maybe in the uh, Ephes- uh, uh, area of Ephesus or somewhere there, that he heard, Epaphras was his name, he heard Paul preach, he got saved, the Holy Ghost got a hold of him, turned his life around, and he started listening to Paul preach more. God called him to preach, put him in the ministry, and at some point he started this church in Colossae, it started growing. People, he, he, look, he observed Paul. You know how you can learn sometimes? Watch others. 
he observes Paul. He, he first he observes Paul preaching. He he gives his life to Jesus. His life starts changing, and he continues to listen to this man preach. He sees results happening here, results happening there, and he realizes it's a result of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God calls him into the ministry at some point in time. So he begins a ministry, and he patterns it after Paul. He preaches the same gospel, so he sees people get saved. You know, that's a good thing. If I'm going to imitate somebody, that's who I want to imitate. He was doing what he was taught. And the result was people were saved. Church was started, established by the Lord. They were growing. They were saved. They came to Jesus. But at some point in time, they started having problems. Imagine that, a church with problems. They walked through the door every week. Every service, problems walked through the door. Now, we don't have to entertain them. We don't have to let them dominate us. We don't have to let them hinder us. But church with problems, and so the devil comes and he uses people to slip into the church, people who claim that they have a greater revelation than Paul. A greater revelation than young Epaphras. A greater revelation. So their, and, and some of the understanding of their revelation was this. Listen to this. There, there's no suggestion in the Bible that a person's knowledge excuses him from self-discipline. So Because you got people in the church that think that knowledge is all they got to have. Knowledge. I know the message of the cross. But I don't have to go to church. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to pray. I don't. Knowledge does not excuse you from self-discipline. Look, this was one of the errors of Gnosticism. It was a heresy that did much damage to the church during the second century. The word Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, meaning knowledge. Forerunners of the Gnostics appeared in the church in the New Testament times, these knowing ones claim to have a knowledge not shared by ordinary Christians. When somebody starts telling you they've got a supernatural knowledge or some insight in the Bible that you can't have, your pastor can't have, and others can't get it until they reach a certain level or something, you need to shut them off right then. Because everything, God ain't hiding anything from anybody. The mystery of the gospel Paul talked about is the, was the mystery of the cross. It was the mystery of the, the sacrifice of animals for a time being until the Lamb of God would come, Jesus Christ, and be manifested to die on the cross and give his life for our sins and be raised from the dead and seated by the right hand of the Father. That was a mystery for a season, but it is no longer a mystery. It was done before the whole world opened for all to see. There's nothing hidden about it. Jesus was crucified in the public. The cross is public, church. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 100% guaranteed fact. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, manifest in the flesh. The Son of God gave His life, sacrificed on the cross, shed His blood, was crucified for me and for you, praise God, so that we can be saved and delivered from sin. And He didn't hide it from nobody. So the mystery has been revealed. There's nothing hidden. The Gnostics, they claim to have a knowledge not shared by ordinary Christians, a claim that Paul strongly, he denied it. The treasures of God's wisdom are found in Christ, not in Gnosticism, and are available to all God's people, not just to those who are specially enlightened. The Gnostics' belief 
that all matter was evil led to opposite extremes of behavior. Some of the Gnostics followed strict laws in an effort to avoid contact with the material world. Others, realizing that withdrawal from the material world was not possible, made no such effort. So they were off in both directions. You can, you can, you know, you can over spiritualize some things. You, you can, you can, you can, you can be so focused on how evil the world is, and and think that because it's so evil, and you need to make sure that you know you don't get corrupted or polluted. You just need to stay home every day and hide in the closet and don't go to work and don't go out into the public because evil's everywhere. And then you got the others that say, well, there's nothing wrong with evil. We're living in a sinful world. They're going to do what they're going to do. I, I, I may do what I'm just going to do because I'm in it. I'm, I'm around it all the time. It's just my nature. Huh. Get off in both areas. You have to be balanced. Jesus said you're in the world but not of the world. He told his disciples, I'm not taking you out of here. I'm leaving you here. But be of good cheer. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So you got help in the world. You got help on the job. When there's evil around you, you you better be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're dealing with evil people, that's something to help you. Being filled with the power of the Spirit. Let me tell you, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can pick up on the evil spirit. You can detect evil. You can feel evil spirits. And you can rebuke them under your breath. They claim, some claim that behavior was irrelevant. Because by their superior knowledge, they had risen above the evil material world into a realm where deeds were of no importance. In other words, I've got this supernatural knowledge, so if I sin, it's no big deal. If I go in a direction that's not right, it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Proverbs 14, 12 said, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof or the ways of death. Don't be deceived. They, they, they could sin as they liked and still be Christians. This is, they could sin as they like and still be Christians. There's your modern thought in a lot of the church world. I'm a Christian. Smoking dope, getting drunk, cursing like a sailor, sleeping around with people, running the nightclubs, and you're a Christian, huh? No, you're not. You're deceived. The whole purpose for why Jesus Christ died is to deliver us from sin. Put up 1 John 3, verse 8 through 10, if you will, on that screen. 1 John 3, 8 through 10. Listen, to back this up, you, you and I have no excuse for sin because we've been delivered from it. Not, not, not saying we're perfect, we're never going to do anything wrong, but we don't practice sin. First John 3, chapter 3, 8 through 10. You're close. One more chapter. First John 3, 8 through 10. It says, it says this, He that committeth sin, you know it, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. For what reason? That he might destroy the works of the devil. The whole reason your Jesus came to die on the cross, not just to save us, but to destroy the power of the devil in our heart and life. 
to break it. You're no longer a slave to the devil because your Savior broke his power. How did he do it? He did it by offering himself as a sacrifice. He broke the power of Satan by simply surrendering his life. Remember when he died, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He cried with a loud voice, It is finished. What did he finish? The work of salvation and deliverance from sin. This is the purpose for why he came. Not to lead me in sin, to bring me out of sin. Look, what's the purpose of being a Christian if you're going to live in sin? What's the purpose of what's the purpose of coming to church if you're just going to live like you want to? What's the purpose of the things of God if we if we can just do whatever we want to do? No, church, don't be deceived. She can't get to pull up. I'll read it. I'm going to read it anyway, whether it's on there or not. Listen, 1 John chapter 3, I quoted the one verse, but I'm going to read the other. Whosoever is born of God, who's born of God tonight? Whosoever is born of God, anybody born of God tonight? Anybody born again tonight? Anybody born of Jesus tonight? Anybody born of the Spirit? Anybody been saved? Anybody been set free? Anybody know Jesus Christ tonight? If you do, let me see your hand. Is anybody here born of God tonight? Are you born of God or born of the devil? Which one is it? Born of God. Whosoever is born of God, listen, does not commit sin. Ah, you're judging. Yep, the word is judging us. Whosoever is born of God does not commit. You don't practice sin. Now, you, yeah, we all fail from time to time. We do things that are wrong. We do sin, but we don't practice sin. Boy, you're still way off. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I got it. Whosoever is born of God, listen, does not commit sin. Why? For his seed remains in him. Boy, you're really close now. Verse 9. You're almost there. Ah, got it. Now you can see it. Whosoever, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot he can't uh oh you can't what do you mean I can't you can't why because listen you got a new spirit can somebody talk to me back here you got a new spirit listen you got a new nature do you know who lives in you? Hello? I know we act like heathen sometimes, but do you know who lives in you? I know sometimes you want to smack, want to smack somebody, but do you know who lives in you? I know sometimes you get agitated, but do you know who lives in you? Listen, the one who lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, look, he's constraining me tonight. Praise the Lord. He's constraining me. I cannot... Live in sin. Uh-uh. Because the Holy Ghost ain't going to let me live in sin. Are you here? He's not going to let you. He ain't going to let you live in sin and be comfortable. He'll shake you, brother. He can't. You can't. Now, you can, but you can't. God will let you do what you want to do. But if you go his way, you can't live in sin. Because you are born of God. You're born of the Spirit. You've got a new nature. Everything in you now is going contrary to the direction you were going before. You want to go to church now. You want to read the Bible now. You want to live right now. You want to do the things of God now. You want to, you want to serve God. You can't, you don't want to live in sin. Verse 10 says, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Boy, that's strong. In what? In this. You want to know who's a child of God and who's a child of the devil? I can make it plain for you right here. 
Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. They don't live right. They live in like the devil. Cuss words flying out of their mouth every day. Come on, somebody. Living like a heathen, acting like a heathen, drinking, drugging, sleeping around, doing everything the heathen do, church. They don't know God. Righteousness is the opposite. Righteousness simply means having a right relationship with the Lord. And if you have a right relationship with the Lord, sin is going to be what he's going to deal with. Whosoever does not right, they don't live right, is not of God. You know who else? You know how else you can prove if somebody's a born-again Christian? Neither he that loveth not his brother, people that hate people. But notice the terminology. Neither he that loveth not his brother. It didn't say neither he that loveth not the heathen. <laughs> you can't hate your brother. You can't hate a Christian. You can't hate a fellow believer. Listen, and be right with God. You can't. So if you don't live right and you claim to be a Christian, but you hate even some very people you sit in church with, something wrong. Your heart ain't right. Your heart is not right. You're deceiving yourself. So the whole point here in these verses is to show you the purpose of why Jesus came is to deliver us from sin and he, didn't, he, didn't, he don't leave us in sin and we don't want to live in sin. We can't live in sin and stay right with God. John pointed out that knowledge for from being a substitute for morality leads, leads to morality. He said, if a person knows God, he will keep God's moral commandments. I've been stressing that over and over here recently. The desire in my own heart, as I know it, it's got to be in everybody's in here. The desire to want to live right. If you don't have that, there's something wrong. I've had it for 24 years. Even though I mess up at times, I do stuff I shouldn't. I ask God to forgive me. I still have a desire. I want to live right. I don't want to backslide. I don't want to go back into my old way of living. Anybody here tonight? Hateful, bitter, mean, nasty. You want to keep your heart right. You want to keep living right. You want to keep being changed. You want to keep your, your heart's got to stay sensitive to the things of God. You, you can be strong in the Lord and you can be weak in your flesh. If he knows Christ, he knows that Christ died to save people from sin and turn them in the, to the way that is right. So in Colossians chapter 2, let me get back to it. I had another scripture. No, I won't. Let me go back to Colossians chapter 2. I flipped away from it. Let me get back to it because some things I want to try to bring out. In Colossians 2, Paul says that he went through a great conflict for these people. For, for preaching the gospel and telling people the truth and trying to keep people on the right path, this man went through all kinds of opposition. You, you know, people would look at us, maybe look at our little church and look and say, man, what, that ain't, look at that little church you got there and preaching and everything. What's the, you ain't got no problem preaching to those few people. But it's not to just these few people. It's people through the internet. People in other countries. People in Africa. People outside the church doors. People that God brings into contact, me into contact with from time to time that I get to look at face to face and tell them about Jesus. That alone is enough for Satan to cause Satan to oppose you. And I believe the more you do it, the more he'll oppose you. 
And I believe it's also why some people don't do it as much as they should. Because they've tasted a little bit of opposition, and now they said, I don't think I want all that. But trouble's coming with it either way. So if I'm going to face trouble, I'm, I'm going to face it head on, knocking the devil upside his head and doing everything I can to witness to somebody and get people to the Lord. If he's going to make it, try to make it hard on you, make it hard on him. This is what he's fighting against. He's fighting against the truth. He's fighting against your faith. It ain't your church he's after. It's your faith that he's after. He wants my faith, your faith, anybody's faith he can get. If he can pull you away, discourage you, cause you to fail, do something wrong, and, and, and somebody knows you did something, then you got all these other issues you got to deal with. Now you, you, you messed up, you failed, and you worried about what this one thinks about you and that one. Then you got to get through all that mess and realize that it don't matter what other people People know it's what God knows. And it's what God says is the answer for the failures. There's an answer for the failures. I don't care how many times you fall down, there's an answer. You can get back up. You got the power. You got the answer. You got the way. You got the truth. You got the life. Get it. He went through a hard time. He, fought, he faced conflict everywhere he went. But he, it, when he wrote to these believers, he reminded them of that. For He said, as many as you that have not seen my face in the flesh, I have been through a lot of conflict for the gospel, for preaching the gospel. He said, I want at verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. He said, in whom, in Christ, that's in the Lord, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here's the key. Everything you need is in Jesus Christ. All the spiritual understanding that God wants to give you, the understanding of his word, listen, this is how you get it in Christ. Not in false religion, not in Buddhism, not in the Quran, not in the religions of the world. It's only in Jesus Christ. It's not in angels. It's not in other beings. It's in Christ Jesus. This is where... The, the, this, if you want to call it a mystery, this is where it is revealed. The message of the cross is revealed. The understanding of the cross for sanctification has to be revealed. If you want to live right, live better, live the way the Lord wants you to and follow God's will, listen, understand the word, you got to keep your faith in Jesus Christ because in him everything begins to be revealed. You get out you get outside of him, you lose the revelation. You lose your understanding. You read the Bible and it doesn't make sense to you. You read the word, you don't get anything from it. Your foundation has to be right. The foundation has to be laid first. The foundation is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said, Be careful what you build, take heed what you build upon this foundation. Because there's no other foundation that can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And upon him, everything else is built. So Satan's job was to try to pull these believers away from that. He wants... He wants some of you to think this is boring. Church is really boring. Being in that little church tonight, is that looks like a boring thing. No, it's not. I'm in Christ. I'm here, but I ain't here. I'm in Christ, and it ain't boring. And it ain't boring to sit here and preach to however, eight, ten, how many people we got here. It ain't boring because it's the Word of God, and it's always speaking to us. It's always 
touching us. It never gets old because the Lord is always revealing something from it. We don't know it all. We are learning. Verse 4, he said, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. The other things he's telling them is for a reason. Listen, he says, I'm telling you this because you don't need to let any man, no matter what his name is, what his religion is, who he is on the Internet, you don't need to let any man on television, you don't need to let any man entice you. Listen, beguile you with enticing words. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. Can you put it up? Will it work now? 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. If it won't, I'll read it. Talking about beguiling you with enticing words. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. Listen, listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Talking about people being beguiled with enticing words, pulled away from the truth. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Every God-called pastor, preacher of the gospel, has every right, God-given right, to tell his people the truth, to warn them of false doctrine, to warn them of being deceived. I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you. The word espoused means join you as in marriage. You have been married to Jesus Christ, one husband. He said, I've espoused you to one husband as a woman is joined together to her husband, one husband, not two, one. Not two religions, one. Not two ways, one way. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Next verse. But I fear, lest by any means, here it is, as the serpent beguiled, there's that word, beguiled, deceived, misled. As the serpent beguiled Eve, how did the devil deceive Eve? He tried to get her to, well, he didn't try, he did, to question the word of God. Has God really said that you shall not eat of all the trees? Has God really said? And he gets her to question the word of God. And you see, that's what false doctrine is there to do, to get you to question the word. To get those of you who come to Family Worship Center where the truth of the gospel is preached, to get those of you confused. Well, yeah, some of that what he preaches, that's okay, it's right, it's right, but what about this and this and this and this and this? And they run off on rabbit trails, leaving the truth. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, his strategy. Look, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity simplicity that is in Christ. Here it is, church. The simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what you and I are supposed to be holding on to. Your faith and my faith has to remain only in what Jesus Christ did at the cross so that I can be made free from sin. I can live my life pleasing to God. I can have the Word of God open up to me on a daily basis and I don't let the devil come along through somebody, some religion, some church, some apostate and corrupt my mind, cause me to not believe the truth or cause me to be confused about the truth from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus. 
People ain't, ain't going to just come and tell you they're preaching another Jesus. People will talk about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the cross. Mormons will talk about Jesus. Jehovah's Witness will talk about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the cross. It's not the true Jesus. If he that cometh preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, Paul said, I didn't preach anything to you but the cross of Jesus Christ. Or if you receive another spirit. See, listen, there's three things happening here that can happen to us. Here it is. You and I, if you ain't careful, you can believe in the wrong Jesus. Number two, you can take on a wrong spirit. Did you get it? Number three, you can be listening to another gospel. So if you're listening to some preacher on television tell you that your sin is okay, grace has covered all of it, you don't have to repent, and blah, 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 and all that stuff, right now I'm telling you, you're listening to somebody that's presenting to you another Jesus, he's got another gospel, and he's got another spirit. And you're being deceived because sin is the reason why Jesus Christ died. And that's our number one issue tonight, sin. That's your problem and my problem, but praise God, there's an answer for it. The blood of Jesus washes me. He said, you're putting up. This is what they were doing in the church of Corinth. You're putting up. You're accepting people that you're tolerating. You're listening to people. I'm shocked to hear that you're listening to somebody tell you something that is not scriptural. It's not, look, it's even contrary to the very nature on the inside of you. You got the Spirit of God. You know the truth. What are you doing listening to somebody tell you things that ain't right? Are you not judging what you're hearing? No. Well, they're talking about Jesus. That's the deception. What Jesus? My Jesus delivers from sin. My Jesus doesn't let me live any way I want to live. My Jesus does not tolerate false doctrine. My Jesus says you don't mix leaven in with the right belief system. You don't mix leaven with the unleavened. You, you'll corrupt yourself. You'll, you'll dilute the truth and you'll lose your way. You cannot compromise. You can't say, I, I, you, can't, you can't believe in Jesus and then go over here and you believe this other stuff that ain't right over here, this over here ain't right, and you think you're going to come and mix it in with your Jesus. It ain't going to work. Your foundation is going to be tested sooner or later. And if you're doing that, your foundation is going to crack. You're going to fall. He said, you might well bear with him. They were listening and tolerating things they shouldn't have tolerated. Accepting things. And the church world today has accepted everything under the sun. You don't believe it, just get on Facebook. And look at stuff that's posted that's not right. It's obviously not right scripturally. And watch all the comments of people on board with it. Talk about how great it is. Oh, what a word. Oh, what a, what a lesson. Oh, what? Oh, wow. Watered down garbage, scriptures changed, perverted, diluted. Got these cute little sayings on the internet come from these groups on people just share stuff off of groups on Facebook where people say these little sayings and try to spiritualize it though, though it's, it's equal with the word of God or something and it's absolutely wrong this right here is what you need to make your foundation not the stuff on that Facebook this because you got to know this in order to know what's wrong you're getting all your doctrine off Facebook. I can tell you what's wrong with you. Bible translations that are off the wall. Satan is working overtime to try to pull people away from the truth. So you got to be careful what you read. 
You got to be careful what you say amen to. You got to be careful what you accept. Again, again, because listen, I'm going to say it again a couple of times. It ain't what you do that makes you right with God. It ain't what you do that's going to keep you on a straight and narrow. It's what you believe. So if you believe the wrong thing, you're going to be misled. And you can come to Family Worship Center Church and sit right here on this pew and be misled. You can be in Paul's church. You can be in Paul's church knowing the truth and start listening to stuff that ain't right and it'll affect your lifestyle. This is the only thing that'll straighten our conduct out, the truth. I tell you what, let me say it like this. How much truth do you want? How godly do you want to live? How close to the Lord do you want to walk? How much truth? Are you willing to accept? How much are you willing to let it change you? Not just talk about it. Let it change you. Let the truth do the talking in you. This word is supposed to be a part of our living. It's supposed to get down into our spirit, man. It makes us strong. It makes us unmovable. But again, if you ain't reading it, it ain't happening. If you're not studying it, it's not happening. And look, and the test is coming. The storm is coming. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine, he hears these sayings, but he's not doing them. When the wind comes, when the rain comes, when the storm comes, it's going to beat on his house. And not only is it going to fall, but it's going to be a great fall. But if you're hearing them and you're doing them, you're obeying it, you're heeding it, you're doing your part, when that same storm comes, your house won't fall. Your foundation will not be shaken because it's built upon the solid rock. Didn't James say something like this? Be ye doers of the word. James one twenty two. Be ye doers of the word. Not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. If any man be a hearer but not a doer, he's deceiving himself. We've got this thinking in Christianity. All I got to do is just hear. I just got to hear. I'm here. I'm here. All I got to do is hear. That's it. Uh-uh. Do it. Do it on the job. Do it at work. Do it out in public. Do it outside the door of the church. Practice it. If the Bible says abstain from evil and you are in a position on your job where you are being tempted to commit evil with other people, you, my friend, are going to have to pick yourself up and walk off from it like the Word of God says and abstain from it. There's your doing part. If they're telling dirty, nasty jokes on the job and you're in the group and you start hearing it, listen, you're going to have to get yourself up and walk off and be willing to suffer the ridicule and let them talk about you and say, I don't, I don't care. I'm doing what the Word of God says because I ain't allowing my spirit to get polluted. I'm not letting my mind get filled with the garbage and the trash that y'all are talking because the Bible says it's wicked, it's wrong, evil thoughts and stuff that comes out of the minds of men. I'm not going to allow myself to be corrupted with it so I'm abstaining from it I'm getting out of that's the doing part brother if you're hearing but you're not doing you're being deceived we have a part we do have a part we have to do it the spirit of God helps us to obey now the spirit of God ain't gonna just what I just Explain to you about situations on a job or something, something happened. The Spirit of God is not going to come and make you walk off. He's not. The Spirit of God ain't going to make you do anything. He'll help you as you take the steps of faith to do it. He'll help you. You see, then you got two people working. You 
and the Spirit working with you, it ain't just all you, and it ain't just all the Holy Spirit, even though it's the majority, it is the Holy Spirit, but it's Him working with you. You're in the body. You're the one putting the Word into action, and He's helping you. So, what you believe will affect how you live. What you believe will affect how you live. When you get up in the morning, your faith is going to be in something. Your trust is going to be in something, someone, or something. Let it be in Jesus Christ alone. And allow the Holy Spirit to open to you the things that he wants to open to you. Because as you keep your faith there and you read the word, God is going to start showing you things. Look, and then it it won't be so hard. It, you won't get mad. You won't be all upset. You won't be kicking, fighting. And Well, I don't like that part of the Bible. You'll start learning how to love it, even the parts that hurt. You'll say, Lord, help me. <laughs> Change me in this area. Lord, I ain't quite lining up with it. Lord, help me to be what this says I need to be. Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm going to close in prayer tonight. Church, Sunday morning, 1030, come, be here, and be a part of it, and pray for your church, pray for the Lord to move in our town and continue to touch people and bring people around this area who need to hear the truth, amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God, the revelation of your word, the understanding of your word, and I thank you tonight, God, that we have an anchor, we have a hope, we have a rock, We have a foundation tonight, God, that is solid. And, Lord, we do not have to be moved tonight. And I pray, God, for people tonight that are struggling, that you would help them to overcome the struggle. That, Lord, the, the attacks of Satan against their mind, God, I pray that you would give them peace and give them rest tonight. Touch them. Lord, move. Bless this church. Bless your people Bless this message tonight. When it's watched by later date, let people learn the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you all Sunday morning. Bless the trumpet, Sam. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744-0774.